welcome to Crafts and Crime. I'm Amy. I'm Elaine. And as always, we have a craft in a crime. Mm-hmm. And um, I struggled with my craft until, <laughs> and my crime, This mm-hmm. when we did the research for it. And then my crime, I like really struggled. But we've been talking about struggling. I yeah. swear we start. <laughs> we have I a bus. Start, like, um, we have a pass, a yearly annual pass for the struggle bus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And we renew it every year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's just like one thing after another. But um, yeah, of course it could be worse. And so I'm just glad it's, it's just regular day to day or like illness stuff. Like today was weird. I, I feel like, ooh, excuse me. I'm so sorry. I still feel like I'm adjusting to the medication. And I'm yeah. supposed to like increase it, but I'm like, oh, well, let me give myself a little bit of time. So I think that just throws me off. It and, really does. <clears throat> and you, you would think your brain would be happy to have the things that it needs. And yeah. it's like, I don't like this. Yeah. Let me just act up for two <laughs> weeks straight and then make your tummy hurt. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, oh, gosh. It's supposed to rain for like the what? next nine mm. days or something. Oh, I love I do, but also after like three days, I'm just kind of bummed out. But that I grew up with it, so I'm like yeah. over it. But I do, I do wish it rained more here, just for like the sake of the planet. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the only problem is that it comes down all at once, and then people are wrecking because mm-hmm. the ground is like an oil slick, and there's floods. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, did you hear about? They found like a homeless camp that they had dug, dug in the in, side of the yes, mountain. Yes. They had made like caves and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and they had, like a bed yes, thing and like a mantle. Thing. Yeah. And of course, like they don't have the news and they're going to get flooded out. Like yeah. that's the reason why like uh, a lot of the homeless encampments are like in the washes here. Yeah. And that's literally like a flash flood happens mm-hmm. so quickly. And we it's do so unfortunately get those like I'll see it on um, the Facebook group or like the local Facebook group or a next mm-hmm. door that like a body was found down by the wash and yeah. it's usually after a storm like this and then it's so it happens just so fast they yeah, literally were probably asleep mm-hmm. oh it's heartbreaking yeah, sorry that was a downer <laughs> I know, but, hey, but it's, it's the reality, the reality. like it's especially scary. in our area um mm-hmm. where yeah we we do have a lot of washes and mm-hmm. stuff but um I don't like a lot of rain now that we have like farm animals because like oh my gosh the mud yeah that chicken coop and where the quail are is so gross luckily the way the rain falls my the chicken run for mine are okay but it's that it pools up so much on the edge Mm -hmm. and then eventually that wicks the moisture into the middle but mine the worst is the rabbit um cover the yeah. pop-up oh my gosh oh, it's like falling apart tree. yeah well that and then the um the water pools up in the oh, top right. and you have to go and like hit it off <laughs> otherwise the mm. weight of it pulls it down so it's all like literally like wonky sideways <laughs> i bet you if i look on the surveillance right now it's like sideways it's literally like falling apart and uh i like i don't know what to do with it oh my gosh like it's like here wait let me just push play so i could pull it full screen um yeah look it's all sideways oh my gosh look at the one leg it's like falling it's like splayed out yeah it's like it's it's like like a baby giraffe holding (laughs) yes the legs are splayed it's like trying to hold itself up it's so bad and so i'm like oh man but we still need to do the whole backyard and and stuff so 
we'll see um what happens with that but <clears throat> oh yeah so I was talking to you earlier about, I'm not going to say the name of the company, but I do the laundry service. Mm. And um, in the state of California, for independent contractors, we have a lot of laws. And one um, of the companies, there's multiple in the state, but one of the companies that I work for, technically... Um, there's allegedly, a, allegedly, yeah. I'm not even saying which one it is, but it, there's a class action lawsuit that's starting because of uh, labor laws in California, and so I because they're good, yeah. <laughs> you can't and, screw us over down here. And so in Facebook groups for this company, like the people create like the venting group and then like the local groups and stuff, and mm-hmm. people are like, how are they not? Like, we should be being paid more. And this is like, we drive, we use our vehicles, we use our own equipment. We're, they say we're independent contractors, but we're not mm-hmm. being, <clears throat> we don't have the freedom like an independent contractor is, so yeah. we should be employees. So it's this whole big thing. And I was like, I knew it. I called it. Mm-hmm. I knew this was going to happen. So that was Even, fresh as of today. It's I just seriously, saw. it's so pyramid scheming and oh, weird. Yeah. It is. And um, I'm like, hey, I just need a few bucks and I <laughs> just do local. Yeah. Um, I have a few regulars that are really close. Like one of them is a like five minute drive from our house. <laughs> and then the other one is like what, two minute drive from Jack's work. It's like literally yeah. across from his work. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I'm like, mm, I might start my own. <laughs> you should. I should. Because then everything would be deductible. Everything. Everything. I know. <clears throat> I still have to talk to our tax. Like, oh, I, I don't. Do I don't know how the math works, but I know that you can even deduct the amount of electricity you use. Mm-hmm. But you have to figure out. That. Yeah, I don't know how there's you do that. someone who rents. Um, in the group I saw, uh, he rents the basement of his apartment. I guess there's like a small basement area, and he mm-hmm. has three washers and dryers, mm-hmm. and it has its own separate meter. So it's oh, completely like all like it has its own utilities and stuff. So since it's used only for idea. the business, <clears throat> just like a, a, a store, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. you know exactly how much. And I'm like, dang, I wish I had that. But yeah. I know there's like meter thingies that you could plug in, I think, to like track how much. But I'm, like, I'm I don't sure know. there's something there's got to be. It's all the, the hoops you got to jump through for taxes, mm-hmm. which is why I'm like kind of dreading because, oh, I did mine already. I Lucky. got help. <clears throat> well, I just I asked one of my best friends is a tax oh, yeah, professional. Right. And um so yeah, so as not a just it's called miscellaneous income. It's not mm-hmm. even cuz I'm not like a a uh, my brain. Well, like your Sorry, own, just like, like an like, LLC or your Exactly. Own yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like if you were selling money at a garage sale, if you're being mm-hmm. honest, you claim that money, it's miscellaneous income. Yeah. And so <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, because I'm not, I can't claim shipping costs. I can't claim anything. So, yeah. but yeah, it, I looked into or it. Or I'm sorry, I can't deduct anything. I don't have any deductions. Yeah. yeah since I um, have a 1099, like they mail it out, um, mm-hmm. I can do deductions, like mileage and stuff. So, like people that do like Instacart and Uber and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you can. So, I'm like in that category because I use my vehicle for yeah. their business. So, but yeah, mm-hmm. we need to do that. And uh, <laughs> I hate it. But it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to do it. And then you like, it literally, we have a tax guy that does it for us. <clears throat> yeah. But um, yeah, I do it myself. It, it takes 20 minutes. It costs me $65. And I this year, I'm afraid to mess anything up. I have not had a single what do you do it through? Me- uh, tax layer. Oh, okay. 
hashtag not stuff like TurboTax and stuff no. where people were like what like the heck what changed i don't know what oh. like people were i think there's something with turbo tax oh was it that the, they advertised that it was free and it wasn't all of those something. do that it's only free if you're a single person with no kids no house like it's crazy yeah you see, can't have got, anything except like a job and a car <laughs> yeah and we've got more than that yeah so it's like it's we've only got, free if it's ugh. like a super quick uh, i think it's like the most uh, simple return mm. Yeah. yeah, ours is not. No. Mine costs like, I think federal through tax slayer, federal was no. It's it's flip flopped. It's one or the other. So mm-hmm. one's free and the other's like, not, or something. No, or? one was oh. like twenty five dollars and the other was like forty five. Oh, okay, so it was like sixty nine and some change. Yeah, and then every single page is like, okay, do you want do you want a lawyer to make a will? No thanks. The no. Next page, yeah. Do you want to insure your house for volcanoes? No thanks. <laughs> like it's really funny. You go through like six of those. I'm yeah. like, just fucking check out already. Yeah. No, we have a tax guy and he does really good. Um. And so we just send everything into him. And so like we need to get on a conference call with him and talk mm-hmm. about all the deductions and stuff that we need to add in. But I'm like, huh, I don't want to do it. So um, we could also just send everything in. I'm just like, I don't know. I, huh, I just just I, tell him do your best. I don't like taxes. The other thing you have to remember, too, is like I know every dollar counts, but um, it's hilarious how much my miscellaneous income like because the way you know the way that taxes work you have to round up mm-hmm. or round down to mm-hmm. the nearest dollar it has to be a whole number and so <clears throat> if you don't file your taxes yourself the whole number say you made uh $20,125.32 so you have to round it it's just a solid no sense no change yeah, yeah. you round it down and it evens itself out in the wash you have to round it. it's the way the computer reads the numbers because mm-hmm. the computer reads it not even a person until yeah. the computer catches some shit and then yeah. a person looks at it my mom was an auditor for like forever mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway yeah it's just like I, the way that it turns out is like the amount that we made which was not that much because mm-hmm. i kind of remember you and i both made around the same yeah which was like it barely hit anything on my taxes yeah that makes you that's feel what better. i think yeah, yeah. i know it's fine. not gonna be a lot and i have a lot of it's just stressful because i can do deductions as a 1099 yeah but, from yeah. pop yeah not <laughs> anywhere <It's fine. laughs> i didn't it's say fine. It. no um papa's grocery store <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's not what it is. I'm just being silly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it is definitely different with... um. I had to fucking claim... It makes me so mad. I had to sell some tickets through Ticketmaster. Oh, that's And right. I got my money, like, most of it back. Mm-hmm. I did take a loss. But, like, you still have to claim that. Yep. Even though I freaking... It's so dumb. It's so ridiculous. That's like my dad. My dad has been retired twice. Once from the military and once mm-hmm. from the state. So he's he's retired federally and mm-hmm. like state mm-hmm. like locally stately. <laughs> stately exactly. Stately. And it pisses me off so much that he still he has to claim his retirement from the mm. from the military and they have to pay taxes. He pretty much has to he owes a little bit quite often. But they yeah. just like he's like he owes from one and not from the other, so they mm-hmm. just take it. But it's just like seriously, you worked for the government for tw- technically 40 years, yeah. but for 20 years and then you have to claim the money that you paid in it's so dumb we all know i I, I don't know how taxes work outside of the united states and whatever way that they do that complicated to make it here i I hope not for y'all sake all those tiktoks i see are like reels it's like the irs like (laughs) 
you know, it's the person like going to turn it in like, okay, well, you know, yeah, I made some money. Like, here, can you tell me how much? No, you tell us. And it's like, why do I have to do it? It's like, mm-hmm. you better get it right. Otherwise, you go to jail. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it, I'm like, we messed up on taxes one year because so I didn't scary. send. What was it? It was oh, half a year of income when Jack switched jobs. For some reason, oh. that didn't end up. Remember that? Yeah. For some reason, it didn't end up in the email. I didn't <clears> click <throat> on the picture. And so we had a half a year of income. So we owed a bit, but it wasn't a big deal because then they just took it out of the next year's return. Yeah. So. It was it a wash, really but it was like whatever. It's like so. I told, I was talking to my friend about it where excuse me, we're both all burpy. I know. Which it was like the thing is, they just want to know it's they know how much you made. They just want to know if you're gonna tell the truth. So yeah. it's like the little it's like kid. A trap. It is. It's, like a, it's trap. a trap. It's, it's like, like the little kid that runs in or, with you know. like jelly all over their face and you're like, Did you eat the jelly? And they're like, No. Yeah. They want to know, are you gonna tell the truth? We know, but are you going to tell the truth yeah, about it or not? Exactly. It's bullshit. It is. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, we want to move <laughs> on to the content. Yeah. So you got your craft. You got yes. your craft. I got this craft. Okay. So my craft, as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, oh, of course. It's taxidermy. Oh, I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Because Were you I about almost, to? No, but I, it was on a list like at the bottom of Wikipedia and it's like yeah. all the other like related like wood <laughs> all this. And it yeah. was like taxidermy. I'm like, Aline's going to do that. It's so funny. Because I can't do that because you do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you could. No, I mean like, no, you have more knowledge in it than me. Well, the thing is, I've never tanned hide and you yeah. have. That'll be one eventually. Yeah, that'll totally be the craft we're going to record. Yeah. Probably on the Patreon because I don't think everyone's going to want to see know. that I don't know. No, I'm going to do it. Well, no. We'll figure it out. <laughs> okay, so, so taxidermy. Yeah. The word taxidermy is Latin-based, like most languages, mm-hmm. for uh, taxis, for arrangement or putting together, and derma for skin. So mm-hmm. it's basically called put together skin. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Brutal. Yeah, exactly. So we got skin art. Ew. The arrangement of skin art. Ew. Exactly. Don't right? say that. So it's, I know, it's grody, right? Mm-hmm. Um. We start with who? what I like a lot, uh, where I like to start at, with Louis Dufresne, who was a French ornithologist, um, which is someone that studies birds. Okay. Um, he works at the Museum of National History in Paris. That is actually like the Museum of National History. And I'm like, I give up. I can't. No. But it's something, it's fancy. And he was actually the first person that we are aware of in the educational world of using this term in about 1803 of taxidermy itself. Mm-hmm. Um, if the animal is full and complete, we call, we actually call it a, we, <laughs> it's called a replica. Okay. And what most people call like a mount is technically called a trophy mount. And yeah. that can even be just like a leg or something, but it's typically from like the neck up uh-huh. um, head of an animal. Have you seen that funny? Sorry that funny video where it's like the back end of the deer with the balls in the bathroom and the guy was like washing his hands but he was like pinched like you haven't seen that one he was like touching it and then he gets caught and he's like "Ah!" because it was like the butt end of the Uh deer is it the thing like if you touch it it like flicks the light or it makes a sound or something no it was just in the bathroom to be funny it was like the trophy but it wasn't the head it was the the butt butt with the balls and yeah pretty gross but it was in a bathroom so that is funny. so silly. Yeah. Freaking deer butt. 
I'm like, I wonder if I can find it now because now I'm thinking about it. But go ahead. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> so um, the word, you know, the word trophy or mount, it they, they pretty much just seem to be interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But so we, we know them as like, oh, it's a deer mount. Yeah. Um, of course, Egyptians did everything first. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that they did it is what we know as mummification. And they preserved everything like dogs and cats and birds and monkeys. Mm-hmm. And these things would go with the pharaohs to, you know, join them in the afterlife. Yeah. And but the thing was, because that they were wrapped up or sometimes even put in their own little sarcophagi, mm-hmm. They it wasn't about the look of them. So there was no real preservation of like their their characteristics. So it's still a little bit different. But they did start the mummification process, um, which is a form of preservation of tissue. Okay, which I've mummified. The easiest things to mummify are things like um, rodent feet, chicken feet, because there's not a lot of tissue on those kinds of bones. So it's a good place to practice for people who are going to practice. Um, is it better on smaller things? Mummification? Yeah, like certain things like legally obtained birds. Uh, there's the Migratory Bird Act, so you can't just go collecting birds in the United States and North America. Actually, a lot of the world does it has its own version. Mm-hmm. Um, but like little birds that are um, like a pigeon. A pigeon is a bird that's allowed in the United States. Um, there is so little um, innards of that bird that you might have to you might be worried about like a smell but you probably could just cut it open and pack it with salt and mummify it that way if you didn't even want to take everything out (laughs) Um, just like sounds hmm. i know yeah it's it's not for the weak of heart somebody's got to really want to do it yeah and then people think you're a serial killer (laughs) (laughs) so um one time Ah, they actually there was an entire mummified hippo that was preserved and was with a pharaoh. Hippo. A whole hippo. That's, That's crazy. crazy. That's I huge. know. I know. It's, it's, it's I, huge. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is super super cool. In Pontenosa, Italy, hanging from the ceiling of a cathedral is the oldest known mount in history. Hmm. It's a crocodile and text from a. Uh, 1534 talk about this crocodile so that's how we know that it's at least that old yeah um this makes a lot of sense though crocodiles throughout history make the easiest mounts to do again really like the, because the tissue is so thick yeah it's forgiving okay and um it's not really going to change its shape a whole lot because it's so thick on itself and there's no moisture on it so they tend to last for a very long time okay um Early taxidermists, before they called this, and it's going to, maybe you've heard the term of being like, like older ones, they would just be like, oh, it was a stuffed tiger. It was a stuffed lion. It was a stuffed bear. Mm-hmm. And that was because back in the day, <laughs> they would take the skins to upholsterers. That's okay. a hard word for me to say. I struggle with that. To an upholsterer because they knew how to do the proper stitches. And so after the skin was prepared, um, which I will talk about a little bit. Okay. Um, after the skin was prepared, they would take it to the upholsterer and they would fill it up with sawdust and old rags. Yeah, and I've seen old ones where it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, full of just like stuff. Mush. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll see like antique ones and like sawdust is yeah falling out of mm-hmm. it. So that's where that term uh, stuffed animals. Oh, they also use like straw too. 
but it's again stu- these are literally stuffed animals yeah and but the problem was is like all of these things would get damaged humidity is going to damage those kind of materials yeah. it's going to absorb moisture yeah bugs are going to yes bugs are going to eat that kind of stuff you're going to have the same kind of bugs that eat your clothing moths and beetles are going to eat these type of specimens okay um (laughs) so excuse me um like i the problem is one thing that happened a lot with these lumpy bumpy frumpy animals Mm -hmm. was sometimes the person that was sewing this creature together had no idea what it should actually look Look like like. because they never that where you get like the bad taxidermy yes (laughs) and that happened a lot because of that reason so i'm like this is literally coming up Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they would really do their best but the best example this will totally be in the socials okay the best example would be the Lion of Gripsholm Castle in Sweden. Most people have seen this and he's I like, I think I know he's this all, one. Yeah. His eyes are all cocked. It's terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was given to King Frederick I by the day of the Algiers in 1731. I had to look that up. I was interested. A day was pretty much like the head speaker for the, the Ottoman Empire at the time. Oh, okay. So it would be like a just like the head speaker for the president uh, uh, yeah, you know? yeah so okay. he was like on behalf of us we brought this so <laughs> this thing <laughs> yes so it was the very first lion to ever be in sweden mm-hmm. but unfortunately like i brought up <laughs> the taxidermist that made the lion had never, never seen, seen a lion oh in person and so he ended up referencing two artworks of lions um, like from the medieval time, which oh weren't gosh. very accurate yeah. either, and it's so pitiful. And it will. Most people have seen it. Wait, just, what's it called? Um, the the Lion of Gripsholm. So spelled like Grip. S H O L M. Gripsholm yeah. Castle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> show me. Show me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Looks like something like a, a kindergartner tried to draw. Like, like I made a lion. <laughs> Look at the tongue and the teeth. I they're know. like human they're teeth. Human. They're flat. <laughs> they're the body weird. is like not terrible. No, but, but the, the face is something <laughs> else. The ears. Like, where is its mane? Yeah, it got a haircut. Yeah. Oh, seriously. Yeah. Go look. It's hilarious. Yeah. um, So this is the early (laughs) preservation. It's totally fine. It's really funny. The early preservation techniques of the skin. So the the way that they would do this first is that also in taxidermy, you don't ever have to see the guts and grossness Uh inside. That's not part of what you're doing. Um, you're just I know you know this but Mm -hmm. you're just cutting and peeling the skin off of the connective tissue Mm -hmm. is a very fine membrane in between if you eat beef um, that would be the silver skin is Mm -hmm. like the in-between part yeah it's the same thing with uh, rabbits yeah it's like there's a we are all (laughs) biologically very similar yeah and so then it is flipped inside out Mm -hmm. so say the lion the paws it's flipped inside out like you've turned a sweater inside out and then different types of blades back in the day it would be like a rock you know a sharp obsidian stone Mm -hmm. but blades are just used to very slowly scrape Mm -hmm. all of the tissue off of it and what was originally used was combinations of salt and 
arsenic mm-hmm. that was the most popular and it was used to dry and preserve the skin and the arsenic also worked well to repel bugs yeah <laughs> but obviously it's so toxic and poisonous people were dying specimens where people didn't realize you know they were touching them petting mm-hmm. them and uh, you know they were getting arsenic poisoning that's crazy and so you know, it did change very early. They switched to just salt and borax was used to replace arsenic. And that's exactly what I use. I actually have two of the quail chicks of yours that mm-hmm. had passed away um, mm-hmm. in borax right now with some herbs to help mm-hmm. with the smell and salt. And but it's just so humid because it's cold. Yeah. Like it's OK. And it's working, but stuff. it's so slow. Yeah. Um. So this is the way that this works. And it's pretty much the way that it stayed. But... The crazy part is that the arsenic still stayed in until like the late 1800s. That's crazy. So, but I mean, they were still shooting up mercury yeah. and stuff. Like, <laughs> I have some old medical textbooks that I've made some. Yes, I know people, it's, they're not worth anything. They're literally not worth anything. They're falling apart. And I've made some like art projects because I'll cut out the recipes for these treatments. It's literally uh-huh. like a recipe for, for, breast cancerous ulcers and they're like rub mercury and take a it's tincture crazy. of like arsenic and yeah. silver colloidal silver it's crazy it's a lot With like things side some- of cocaine exactly <laughs> yep and then some morphine and laudanum yeah. so you can go to sleep through the pain so <laughs> okay <laughs> um so uh <laughs> sorry the reason why it ended it it lasted so late was that the old timers wanted to keep the tradition they're like this Mm -hmm. is what works and we don't want to change it it always worked for me and i didn't get arsenic poisoning we all know somebody like that that's Mm -hmm. like well i did this for a thousand years and i'm fine yeah (laughs) so of course this is my favorite taxidermy took a hilarious turn in the victorian times and unfortunately they were so into taxidermy and stuff that they actually um extinct a lot of species yeah. of birds yeah. mm-hmm. because they would make the whole bird into a hat oh <laughs> like gosh. taxidermy preserve it the whole skin feet just blah, i got a bird on my head that's crazy like, yeah but also for decoration in their house mm-hmm. um i can appreciate the fact that a lot of this was some of the way that like the lion is the only way that people could see these types of creatures these birds was through this way it's like at the um the museum by us they have a really extensive bird um have you been to that one no oh my gosh i know so many i know we always talk about it i want to go so bad but no so pretty and we could totally get the school to make a field trip for us i think so but (laughs) it's so pretty because they're all perfectly preserved yeah and you could uh, birds i've never seen i've never Mm -hmm. seen a penguin up close (laughs) now i have yeah like it is it does i'm surprised at how big they are because i you don't think about it until you're standing next (laughs) to one that's like taxidermy Uh and and you're like fully preserved yeah holy cow that's bigger than my kid mm-hmm. <laughs> so. it really is funny and so unfortunately nobody was thinking about like we could kill an entire species yeah. of something so they went kind of crazy one of the things they also started to do was they was anthropomorphic taxidermy okay so this is um the term would be like animals that are doing human things yeah so like a couple examples would be uh, there's one that I saw that was frogs playing pool. Yeah. I was going to um, say frogs having tea. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the most famous were um, like 
<laughs> I think it was uh, squirrels that were boxing. Um, they had them playing cards and even cooking. And mm-hmm. I love them. Of course I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're so funny. And here's an interesting thing. I'm not I'm not almost done, but it's just where we're coming to. If it weren't for taxidermy, the bison of Yellowstone actually probably wouldn't have survived. Oh. Um, William Hornaday, he was a head taxidermist at the Smithsonian um, in Washington, D.C. in 1880. He actually brought taxidermy specimens to Washington from, you know, over here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that he could display them so they could be seen and helped because they were beautiful and important and also, just like you said, huge. huge like people yeah. don't, if you've never seen one, it's like as tall as a truck, like mm-hmm. as big as a it's, van. They're like, huge. They're At the Natural massive. History Museum, yes. they have them. And I'm like, whoa. It's, <laughs> it's intense. It's crazy it really how big they is. are. And so because of this, his dedication led to the preservation and federally protected bison range in Yellowstone. So if it wasn't for him, it they probably would have yeah. um, become extinct or basically nearly extinct. Mm-hmm. Another ornithologist, um, John Hancock of England, he really, really developed the process of taxidermy with clay and um, plaster type of body forms for birds specifically. Um, He would preserve them. And in 1851, at the Great Exhibition in London, his birds were people went nuts for them because they were the best anybody had ever seen mm. the way that he resculpted the feathers to make sure that these like jungle species were beautiful and so they were the most lifelike and realistic birds at that point that had mm-hmm. ever been displayed and after him taxidermy really took off and then it went into people had started the fashion this sounds terrible but it is what it is the trend mm-hmm. of um taxiderming pets came right around then when people realized like you can preserve an animal to look exactly the same people wanted to keep those babies with them Mm -hmm. and so that's that started then see the victorians yeah i saw a video i can't remember where it was recently where she was talking about how like she had someone coming to do some work in her basement Mm -hmm. and they were like man i've never seen cats stay that still they were all like preserved she had like two or three of her cats like on cat beds down there yeah oh no and so he thought they were yeah like, they're so sleepy oh, and old yeah, they're just really <laughs> they're tired seniors. yeah oh no oh i could never taxidermy i, I could not do that mm-hmm. with kiki nope it's so strange i i can't bring no. myself to it and it make me sad yeah um so one of the best known taxidermists of these anthropomorphic animals that i had brought up before his name is walter potter and it's are amazing and so ridiculous. And um, because I think I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to show any pictures of the process. If yeah. you want to see it, you can look it up yourself. So I'm going to do like the line and I'll do a couple of these because they're so silly. Um, and again, like people think like, oh, my God, did he kill all these animals? The likelihood is no, because if you raise rabbits, as Amy does, sometimes a lot of bunnies pass away at one time. We just, yeah, we've lost whole um, (laughs) clutches. Is that what you call it? A clutch, I think. Yeah, it's rough. And um, nature. And then sometimes (laughs) a rabbit just dies. Like we just lost Bo. You know, he just they're fragile. Yeah. So one of the things he had was called. Um, the rabbit school which was 48 tiny rabbits and they're sitting at desks and they like have tiny little slates and they're uh-huh. writing 
Um, another was called the Kitten's Wedding, mm-hmm. and that's an entire like wedding what procession kittens? of kittens. I know, I know. Um, there was another one of just kittens playing croquet. But the thing was, what people loved was that it truly was such an art form, including like the miniature aspect of it, because he handmade all the clothing. He did all oh, the wow. taxidermy himself. Mm-hmm. And even the the kitten bride had tiny little undergarments. Oh, my <laughs> like, gosh. He did the whole thing. <laughs> um, and it wasn't a joke to him. You know, they yeah. were these um, dioramas. Mm-hmm. And but the problem was <laughs> they still weren't like great <laughs> because Again, like they only had so many resources yet. Um, I will get into it. But like nowadays, forms are used. They're like uh, really, really dense foam. Uh And you can like carve them to shape and stuff. So back then they didn't have that. Yeah. So and if you used clay and plaster, these would be so heavy. Like Mm -hmm. the reality of moving an entire deer made of clay and plaster inside is crazy. So, you know, um, so he did his best because he actually was like no formal training. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So the reason why he had initially started was because his family owned a pub called the White Lion and he wanted their like patronage was kind of dropping off and he wanted to make sure that they had something like to look in that would draw people in. So that's why mm-hmm. he started making these dioramas. And he also did my favorite kind, the poor little babies that are weird. So the, he also had two headed lambs and four legged chickens mm-hmm. and they were all displayed there and it really worked. People really loved it. Yeah. Um, it was different. It was so different yeah. than anything anyone had ever seen. And it was really great. And um, nowadays, his collection, it was really sad. I had a little bit more history. Um, and I don't know what happened. I got I got lazy. I literally <laughs> was doing it up until the moment we like, yeah. came to record. We had a heart. We struggled this week. Yeah. So um, I think what happened is eventually the pub fell out of ownership of his family, you know, as mm-hmm. a generation, you know, passes um, because this was still the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his collection was separated and uh, it was in pounds. So like with the way that money is so different now, um, but it was each of his little dioramas, like the 48 little bunnies at school or they were sold for like 23,000 pounds. Like each, mm-hmm. they made a lot of money mm-hmm. off of them. I think one of them, was almost like a hundred thousand dollars or something and then the auctioneering house got in a bunch of trouble because somebody offered like a million pounds to buy the whole collection and they turned it down for some reason what and yeah and they got in a bunch of trouble i'm sorry Mm -hmm. i fudged that up there was a little (laughs) bit more to that yeah (laughs) so we (laughs) it's okay so once we hit the 19th century that's when things changed and we started getting these mannequin forms which were also started with um, armatures with the formation of like thick wires mm-hmm. and they would wrap those in cotton and wool and that would be a better base but again those are still natural fibers and those are susceptible yeah. to bugs and mm-hmm. moisture and all those things so when uh, cellulose was really formed and we were able to make paper and, mm-hmm. and then eventually we moved on to the chemicals that made these foams and stuff because that came before plastic mm-hmm. we made these mannequin forms and they would come so simple prepared in different all the positions standing up lying down and um and just the deer head forms Mm -hmm. and what they can do is because of the it's a foam structure they started using um pins and this led to better structures because the process of scraping the skin and packing it with the borax you're putting it on the form while it's still 
not wet, but it's damp. Yeah. It's very pliable still. Mm-hmm. So you do dry it out for a short amount of time, like a couple. I know like with um, taxiderming small rodents, it's like a day in the borax and salt. Mm-hmm. And it helps dry out some of the moisture and get it ready. And then you just kind of shake it off, but you leave some of it on there because mm-hmm. it's like going to continue the process of drying on the form yeah. with the pins holding it in place. Mm-hmm. But still, all animals are different. And so these simple form structures can be used for other things in a pinch, you know, and you can add clay on top of it to sculpt up okay. a slightly different feature. Like say you only have a form for a lamb, but you have a mm-hmm. goat. Some are interchangeable, yeah, yeah. you know. So yeah. you just would build up the lips differently on a goat than you would a sheep. And uh-huh. So things like that. But it became very, very simple and really amazing as we hit into like the <laughs> golly bob howdy the 1900s isn't that terrible <laughs> I know. but later the biggest breakthrough in the taxidermy world was freeze drying yeah and this was something that was always used in like nasa but not mm-hmm. in like an average setting nowadays mm-hmm. you're you can buy freeze dried skittles like at the grocery yep. store um, and, but they're still really expensive. Even those candies are expensive. And it's because the process actually takes such a long time mm-hmm. to do. And the machines need constant maintenance. So it's not something that is normal for the consumer. Like, say you wanted to have your little cat preserved. Mm-hmm. It's kind of freeze dried. It's like $1,000. Yeah. And large animals can take like six months. It's unbelievable. And the difference is that the the shape can be kept so well because they're not doing anything to it. Mm -hmm. There's no removing of the organs, no blood drainage. There's nothing. No, it's completely, it's completely, um, solid is your animal is completely uh-huh. there and the, the process is so scientific i cannot even my brain can't i was reading it and i was like okay i'll try to talk about it but basically uh what i got from it um is it's just a vacuum chamber that shoots it like way below zero mm-hmm. and the cold temperature actually like explodes the water and then the vapor is mm-hmm. vacuumed out and it's pushing cold oxygen it's weird but yeah that's about it that's okay. pretty much it yeah and so that leads to the driest beef jerky tissue you can imagine but it's still susceptible to bugs it is yeah. so susceptible yeah, because there's nothing protecting it mm-hmm. so there's not even any chemicals that they might not want to eat through so typically freeze-dried specimens are always like in a dome and um preserved in a way like a museum would be which a lot of what if you look in a museum like say like a shadow box if you look way up in a corner or way down in a corner you're gonna see like a little box and it kind of looks like cardboard and it's a special um, it's basically like those silica packets that you okay. have in shoe boxes, but uh-huh. it's like a special kind that constantly and you swap it out and okay. it's to preserve, it takes moisture and oxygen. Uh-huh. You'd probably have to do the same thing. Like, and also some of them have like, uh, my sister would know they have like some kind of a bug repellent kind of a thing. That's like a natural mm-hmm. like deterrent. It's crazy. And so I'm like, that's not a risk. You spend all that money and all that time. And then like moths are going to eat your cat. Uh-huh. Like that scares me. Or heaven forbid someone spilled something on it. Oh, my gosh. Like, there's no way. Yeah. So, um, <coughs> so, excuse, excuse me. I'm so sorry. Um, one of the things that I really love that has changed, because art, the art world is always changing, and I love that. The mm-hmm. newest form of taxidermy that really has kind of taken off, but mo- a lot of people don't love it because they see it as, like, weird and gross as something that already kind of is, and I can understand 
um, is what is now called rogue taxidermy. And this uses a combination of different things. And typically it's a multimedia project. So I've seen one kind of taxidermy, a rogue taxidermy project that was like the front half was an eagle and the back half was like oh, a lion cub. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's how you make like a, a liger. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was beautiful. And it, so it's things like that. But also I'll talk about one of my favorite artists. And it's so sad because I've seen people drag her in like taxidermy mm-hmm. groups and stuff um, because they don't want to do any research. Um, her name is Brooke Weston. So like shout out I don't know she'd never hear it but um and she's one of just personally this is just one she's one of my favorites and she takes busted like destroyed old like stuff taxidermy mounts uh-huh. um the ones that I love the most I, I think she only works in deer is antique deer and she turns them into dollhouses what she turns them into dollhouses she like opens the back oh. so from one side it just looks like a deer and you and the turn other it around side it's like dollhouse? it's like nestled it's beautiful i oh. think it's personally beautiful that is and weird. so yeah, i get it no kind of cool um, creative and so right and everybody was just so mad like i can't believe that had to die to be turned into a dollhouse and it it's like it died dead. like a hundred yeah. years ago like she's rescuing them from getting thrown away would yeah. you rather it be and i get it it's not for everybody Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I just love them, but there's a lot of just, if you look it up, there's, they're amazing. If you don't mind that stuff and I understand mm-hmm. it's not for everybody. I'm sorry if this left a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> I get it. I, it, it's rough. It's, it's not for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and not everybody can do it because you have to be okay with like cutting open an animal. And even though it's dead, it's hard. Yeah. Like, and I'll, so I still get emotional, yeah. but I, I would rather be emotional than just like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I do, I definitely still get emotional. So <laughs> last but not least, this one's really interesting. And this is um, typical in um, museum settings, which is called study skin preservation. And it's pretty self-explanatory. It's meant mm-hmm. for study. So, the process of this is very simply the skin is taken off and it's prepared and it's left as it is like a flat. Okay. And so that they're able to just take it for measurements, you know, mm-hmm. the year where it was found to keep an eye on population and species of um, the area. Okay. And so the skin is scraped and scrubbed just like normal, but borax and cedar dust, the cedar is for the bugs. That, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. what it is. Cedar. cedar is in those museum oh, okay. things. That's, I think sometimes it's like a cedar block. Oh, is like all what they you put could in. put in your closet. Exactly. For, for mothballs. Moth yeah. yeah. <laughs> so borax and cedar dust is used and that's what they pack it with. And then they just super quickly pack it up with cotton and they just, because mm. it's just meant for... Um, just the, it's called, um, sorry, the study skin is just used for only the data and DNA preservation. So the looks don't matter at all. And if you were to look at one of these species or one of these specimens, I'm sorry, you'll see like the cotton through the eye hole, like in the mouth, in the ear. So it's not made to be pretty. No, not at all. And with the birds, um... The birds, uh, sorry, mammals are left on their bellies and birds are on their backs Mm -hmm. and they're stored head to foot, side Mm -hmm. by side, because they're able to get as many as possible. And I know that, like, it's crazy. If you look at the Smithsonian and you look up, like, (laughs) birds, it's crazy the way you'll find the drawers and you'll see, like, drawers pulled out and just dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. 
why but again it's like this was taken from january this one's taken from the next year and i know it seems harsh but these things are how we keep population in Mm -hmm. control but also it's population control but it it's necessary to continue species because you have to see like why are so many dying in this region well all of these were born and one wing was shorter than the other Uh so it's like these things matter and it is harsh um but that's how a lot of populations stay around and some of these are also collections from taxidermy Mm -hmm. because they're all that exists anymore yeah so yeah i mean the thing is in in the end of this i know it's kind of ugly to a lot of the population and i understand that i don't love it i don't want a deer's head in my house there's like very few things of that nature that i would um but it's definitely not that i don't hunt i never will Mm -hmm. i don't even fish anymore because it makes me sad like (laughs) you know so it's just like i don't i don't do it i Mm -hmm. do it in the scale of like we have animals that have passed away already like little chicks and the bunnies um and i do wet specimens with that um Mm -hmm. chicken feet but I'm never going to go and shoot an animal for that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that do taxidermy do not. Yeah. Most of it is what we call vulture culture. And that's some shit where I just like, that's how I started. Mm-hmm. I found a rat <laughs> and I made a friend and I made the biggest mistake. Like, because I mean, she was fine with it. We stayed friendly, but um, you know, when you just get like word vomit and you just like, and you overshare, uh-huh. I literally met her the same day. And I was like, yeah, I found a, <laughs> I found a rat at the playground and I cut its feet off. (laughs) And then my brain went like Hagrid. I should not have said that. And I was like, fuck, what did I do? But she was just like, whoa, no way. And I was like, yeah. And they do make the cutest little mummified feet. They're so precious. And then I put a little uh, jewelry cap on the end and people buy them. So... The thing is, there's like a market for it. And that's what I do. And um, I would never kill. I could never kill a creature for. I could never kill a creature just for that purpose. Like Mm -hmm. things pass on. And that's how that happens. Yeah. You can even buy chicken feed at the grocery store and practice that way. Yeah, true. (laughs) So, you know, the thing is, like, it really is so much of an educational purpose. You have to think about the fact, like, I have friends that have never left the state they lived in. Yeah. So, yeah. And so imagine, like, I actually looked around. Um, In the state of Wisconsin, they have the least amount, well, out of the some that have none at all, but the least amount of moose, there's only about 20. So if you never left the state of Wisconsin, the possibility that you're going to see a moose is probably zero. Yeah. And... So things like this, I get it. A lot of people don't agree with it, but um, it, it for educational reasons to preserve things like that, people are like, well, I've never seen it. Why do I care? I yeah. don't know what a moose is. So whatever. Yeah. It, it, you know, and it, they do matter. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it takes something being in your face with facts and like, look at it. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of where it leads to. Yeah. But again, a lot of the specimens that are at your museum are so old. Oh, like, yeah. Like, they didn't just kill them for that, I promise. Like, no. it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, rest easy. I know it's hard sometimes, but <laughs> I will never shoot a deer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da, that's that all. That was good. I... Um. Yeah, I've seen taxidermy up close. I've seen good taxidermy and some bad taxidermy. Um, I did find the video I was thinking of. Let me see if there's volume. Here. Wait, wait, wait. Let me go back. Okay, ready? Here, I'm going to show the video I was just talking about. You guys to look. I will. I'm sorry. My husband's leaving work and I'm so excited. <laughs> That's fine. I don't think Is he, he works. working tomorrow? No. Oh, Jack's not working tomorrow either. 
Okay, so the video I was talking about earlier, it's what it would be considered a mount. Uh-huh. Um, and it's in a bathroom. You could just look on Google it, like um, but it's really funny. What are you doing in there? That is so funny. He's literally they look like they made them soft. Yeah, too, they're soft. Which is they're even squishy. Funnier. It's deer balls. <laughs> That is but it's not even silly. like it's just the butt. It's not legs or anything. It's yeah, butt, it's just the bottom, the butthole, everything <laughs> like a tail up, and then the balls and yeah, they're like squishy. But it was Hilarious. really funny. So I thought about that, and I was like, oh, I, I've seen like some funny, um, yeah, t- uh, funny TikTok. <laughs> but okay, well, this is gonna be a long episode. Um, what is my computer doing? That was weird. My computer's been really... It's been really oh, rude. I need to get a new one. So, um, yeah, we're already at almost an hour. And I haven't even gone yet, but that's okay. So, I was surprised that ended up as long as it was. Yeah. Well, mine isn't super long. We <laughs> I always say, say that. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, bringing it on down. But uh, my case, I kind of struggled with trying to find something. And I, like I always say, I always try to find something that I haven't heard before. Yeah, um, me too. And this is one of them. My, I'm sorry, you guys. My nose is so, like, my allergies are really bad. Because it's been raining. It's yeah. knocking all the crap so, out. so I feel so nasally right now. All I'm the bleach sorry. spray. Yeah, that too. Okay, so my case is on Lori Ruff. So... This happens back in 2010, so not that long ago. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, what, 14 years ago? Mm-hmm. So, on December... Right around the time of my last crime. Sorry. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. Because yeah, that was in the uh, 2000s. Boy, we're taking it back to vintage right. times. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, this happens actually Christmas Eve on 2010 in Longview, Texas, just before 7 a.m. John Ruff went into his garage to go out and get his newspaper. So, you know, he just opens it up and then he noticed that there was a car running with the headlights on uh-huh. in his driveway. Oh. So. Oh, I hate that if somebody has like, to like back up into the driveway to like turn down the street. And I'm oh, like, why are you I in know. my driveway? Yeah. <laughs> they go, yeah. So, um, so he sees his car and he's like, I don't know what's going on. So he just closes the you know it's early morning so he just closes the garage and goes in and calls 911 mm-hmm. so police arrive at the house and they could see car is exactly as he said running headlights on in the driveway um they couldn't tell if anyone was in the car and john couldn't tell either you know mm-hmm. when he saw it he just was like oops something's going on so you know they're really cautious they go up and they look inside of the car and they could see blood spatter on the center of the dashboard and some on like the overhead console Ooh. thing uh-huh. And there was a deceased white female in the driver's seat. Oh, no. She had her seatbelt on, and she was slumped over the steering wheel, and she had a gunshot wound to her right temple. So, Dang, is this like two in a row? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> detectives, it's crazy how much this is. Little things are going to remind you of yours. Um, so detectives immediately start taking pictures and looking at, like, you know, everything that's inside the car. There's mm-hmm. a purse on the seat, driver's license side of it. And they look and they see that the deceased female is Lori Ruff. So Lori and her husband, Blake, lived in Leonard, Texas, which is about an hour away from Longview, where she was found. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a little over an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And um, and so Lori was really 
outgoing, assertive. She went to college at University of Texas in Arlington and studied business administration. She didn't have a whole lot of money, but she did some secretarial work, computer work, and then even worked as a mystery shopper. <laughs> so, That's cool. I always wanted to do that. Yeah. She attended a mega church called Fellowship Church, but then left because she thought it was too secular. Oh. And then she attended Northwest Bible, and that is where she met her husband, Blake. And they're really, like, opposite of each other. Uh-huh. Um, you know, opposites attract. Yeah. Um, and so Blake's parents are John and Nancy Ruff. Okay. The family owned a bank and a real estate company, company and people, in, they were respected, you know, members of the community. Mm-hmm. And they actually didn't really trust Lori. And oh. they were like, oh, it just feels like she's hiding something. Mm-hmm. But... um. Even though Blake knew, he was like, you know, I love her. I'm going to marry her, whatever. They, mm-hmm. He knew how his family ha- felt about Lori. But um, in January 2004, Blake and Lori eloped. Oh. And they got married at a small church. And the pastor was the only one there. So it was just the two of them and the pastor. Oh. So they Well, I guess if your family doesn't. Yeah. Like they're like, or... let's just get married. We want to get married. Mm-hmm. So they then moved to Leonard. And... They immediately were like, we're going to start building our family. Yeah. Trying for a baby. Unfortunately, it wasn't happening. And Lori ended up having four miscarriages. Oh. Yeah. And then finally got pregnant and they had their daughter in 2008. Mm. So she was finally living, you know, her dream life. Mm-hmm. Married with a baby in a house in a small town. But clearly things were not as they seemed mm-hmm. because... The crime scene shows that Lori was not only found with a gunshot wound in her head, but she also had a pistol in her right hand. So it looked like suicide. So in the cargo area in the back, there were two notes. One envelope said it was for Blakely, my wonderful husband. And the other one was for her daughter to be opened on her 18th birthday. Mm. The letter to her husband was 11 pages long, typed up. Mm. 11 pages long long so in the note she says that she didn't want to die before or die being divorced so she did this before it was finalized um she said that he was still her husband and she could not bear the pain of not growing old with him uh she talks about how his family made a bunch of quote assumptions Mm -hmm. about her that were wrong and there's like it's 11 pages it's a lot of information a lot of just stuff that probably was on her mind. I don't know. It was just a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know it's kind of hard to follow with the name. Well, not really hard to follow. But do you remember in the beginning, the 911 call, the person that made that call was John, Blake's father. Right. Yes. So she was at her in-law's house. Yeah. It was kind of weird like why she would you drive over killed herself at her in-laws house? so why like, would you I'll show like, them yeah uh. on christmas eve so wow but get this blake and her daughter were in the house at the in-laws, the in-laws. house okay which makes sense it's about to be christmas mm-hmm. and so when the family is told that it was Lori that was in the car and that she had committed suicide the in-laws were actually like angry i mean i probably would be too like why would you do that like in like the driveway. Yeah. So 
this is when they start to realize, like, oh, there's obviously some family issues going on. Mm-hmm. The in-laws tell detectives that Lori wouldn't talk about her family, her past, and, like, she would always change the subject or deflect the question. She, yeah. she's, like, she's trying to hide something. Right. They're like, we just never had a good uh, vibe about her. Mm-hmm. Um, super private about her life. She did... Okay, so here's the thing. She did tell a friend that her parents were divorced and her father was an atheist womanizer. <laughs> so she didn't want anything to do with her family. Okay. Which, I mean, she was happily religious. Yeah. But then she told Blake, his parents, their friends, and a neighbor that her parents died and she just didn't have any family. Oh, wow. That's very different. Yeah. So it's like, what? So, But she was very secretive about her, you know, she, I don't know. You know, some people just don't want to bring yeah. up their past. And it's like, nope, this is my life now. Like, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. So then they find out that Blake had actually left Lori on Father's Day 2010 that year mm-hmm. and moved in with his parents. Okay. And he wanted a divorce. And Lori did not want to get divorced. And she was blaming her husband's family, saying that his family wanted him to get divorced, that she wouldn't steal his inheritance. It's like all this stuff. She wanted Mm -hmm. to stay married and have her family back together. Of course, you know, the family saying that Lori, you know, Lori was keeping her. She was super close to her daughter, like Mm -hmm. overprotective of her daughter. Mm -hmm. They said she was keeping her her daughter away from them um probably because they like didn't like her mm-hmm. um Ow. and so that's what caused like a bunch of problems they said that like when blake left Lori, she began making threats Ooh. and they had to get a cease and desist order against her mm-hmm. so it doesn't sound like it was going not a good yeah. divorce she really did not want to get divorced i mean she said in the letter mm-hmm. so <laughs> days before her death she had actually barged into their house oh, while they were having dinner and said she wanted blake and their daughter to come home she had to be, like, forcibly removed from the oh, house. No. So it does not look like everything was great. It, right. You know. So after Lori's suicide, Blake was like, I'm not going back home, like, to Leonard or whatever. I'm, you know, just going to keep my daughter out here. Mm-hmm. And so his family helped clean out the house. And so in this process, they're cleaning it out. But they're also seeing, like, who really was Lori? Mm-hmm. Like, who is she? Because yeah. we don't know anything really about her. And in her suicide note to Blake, she had told him, like, and you can see it in her letter. You can look up her letter. But um, she said she wanted him to clean out the house himself and not have anyone else do it mm. and to respect her wish. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, his family is helping clear out the house. So they're clearing it out and they find a lockbox in the bottom of a closet labeled crafts. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. So Blake said, you know, oh, Lori told me not to ever open it. So, like, I didn't. I don't care. Um, But inside that lockbox was a birth certificate from California. Now, remember, they're in Texas. Mm -hmm. With the name Becky Sue Turner. Hmm. There was also a driver's license uh, issued in Idaho to Becky Sue Turner. And the picture, it's Lori. It's oh, her. Okay. I was waiting for you to be like, wasn't her. And I was like, no. who did you steal? It's Lori. Okay. It's her. So they're like, what the heck? And there's also a court document from 1988 where Becky Sue Turner changed her name to Lori Kennedy. Okay. That was the name that her husband, you know, when they met, because mm-hmm. then she became Lori Ruff. So there was also like some pieces of paper with like writings and scribbles on them. And there was stuff like for a uh, 402 months. There was, like, a lawyer's name. Just random. It was really random. Like, mm-hmm. little, I don't know, like, a big 
like the unraveling of a brain this? yeah <laughs> and why is it kept in with all of this stuff so now detectives are looking into like who's becky sue turner mm. um so blake's brother-in-law actually decided to hire a private investigator to look into who becky sue turner was yeah and the investigator found an article from the early 70s and the article said that Becky Sue Turner and her two sisters um, died in a house fire and her parents were hospitalized. Yeah. So <laughs> they then, so she's not even Becky Sue Turner. Becky uh, Sue Turner is dead. Yeah. She was two when so the house fire happened. she stole an identity of a baby. Yes. So they asked <laughs> Becky Sue's parents if they knew who she was and they're like, we don't know who she is. We don't. We don't even know how she would know Becky Sue. Becky Sue was two, mm-hmm. you know? And so now Whoa. it's just more like, why did she change? Her- who was she before Becky Sue Turner? Yeah. Um, so then they started, okay, now we got to look at these pieces of paper. There's a the name of a lawyer named Ben Perkins. So they call them and he said, never, nope, we never met. Don't know who she is. Mm-hmm. The phone number she wrote down were called. That didn't lead to anything. So it was just kind of like, a dead end. Mm-hmm. We don't know who this person is. So 10 months after her death, the refs actually reached out to the Social Security Administration because, like, they could look into identity theft. Exactly. clearly, right. she took someone's identity. Who was she before? Mm-hmm. And why did she change her name? So they were able to find a student aid um, form from college. And the reference on there listed her ex-boyfriend. And so mm-hmm. they asked him. And he's like... I don't know, like, we split up, and the last thing I heard, she was stripping down, like, outside of Dallas. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, stripping. She's, like, think about it. Like, she was attending church. She was, like, super religious. So <laughs> it's, like, I don't know mm-hmm. about that. So, once again, just another dead end. Mm-hmm. Um, So then it's just more questions. Well, was she really stripping? Who was she? It's just, it mm-hmm. got, started to get crazy. So the Social Security Administration actually spent a year on her case. Wow. And they couldn't find anything. So the next step, media. Dang. Yeah. Got to go to the media. You know, somebody's got to know Do you her. know this person? Yeah. Unsolved so, mysteries. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like 2013, in June mm-hmm. of 2013, um, there is a group of these like amateur and professional, like, detective, like, actual right. detectives and stuff, sleuths, online uh-huh. sleuths that are in this group. Um, one of them, his name is Brett Nelson, and he saw the article in the Seattle Times about the Jane Doe who stole a child's identity. Because now mm-hmm. she's not Lori Ruff. Right. She's not Lori Turner. She's uh, Becky Sutra. She's right. a no name. She's a Jane Doe. They don't know who mm-hmm. she really is. So he sees this Seattle Times article, and it'll be in the references. Um who stole this child's identity and um and so they're actually like all these internet sleuths are like working together finding out who she is of course there's a million theories Mm -hmm. maybe she's on the run from committing Mm -hmm. a crime is she a spy is she running from a cult like all these things right so brett nelson had taken those notes that were scribbled and he created a customized like infrared spectrum of colors to Mm -hmm. overlay to see and he saw, like, once he overlaid them, he realized that there was, like, another sheet on top of these scribbles that she had mm-hmm. written on top of, you know, that weren't included in those yeah. two pieces of paper. And kind of looked like some numbers, like, 
it was just an indentation that was revealed from this the spectrum yeah. of colors and so it's like another clue like a number is it so one of these sleuths kenda martinez was um looking into it and she found out that Lori had a couple of post boxes in different cities in two different states hmm. so like the mail was being forwarded from one post office box to the other and then it would like end up in a post um post office box in dallas so like wow why like she's doing a lot of steps to try to hide mm-hmm. um or maybe establish residency or you know whatever yeah i think that's why you're not allowed to use a p.o box to prove um uh residence mm-hmm. in a state uh because anybody could get a p.o box anywhere as long as you pay for it yeah so she was paying for him but uh so then you know this is kind of another dead end so it's just uh, more questions. Why has she got all these P.O. boxes and what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of steps to try to hide her past, I guess. So then in 2016, this is six years after her death, um, these amateur sleuths are, you know, you kind of have your cases, you're looking on mm-hmm. stuff. And then they notice like, wait, her name is taken off of NamUs. And NamUs is the, the um, database, uh, missing persons database, mm-hmm. where they have like, you know, pictures and stuff, which means... They figured out her identity. So the way that this happened was the Ruff family submitted DNA from Lori's daughter to 23andMe and Ancestry.com. So then a forensic genealogist named Colleen Fitzpatrick, on her own time, started looking into the case to build her family tree. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of distance cousins and stuff, but you got to narrow it down to more immediate family. Mm -hmm. And she was actually able to find Lori's family in Pennsylvania, which then led to her name, Kimberly McLean. So who's Kimberly McLean? In 1977 in Winewood, Pennsylvania... Kimberly's mom, Deanne, was a stay-at-home mom. Her dad was in construction and volunteered at a local firehouse. And she had an older sister named Michelle. So she's mm-hmm. got family. Yeah. Um, classmates and old friends of hers seemed like they said it was not a normal family. Like, mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Kimberly was really shy. Um, kept to herself. And then just one day in high school, she just disappeared and stopped coming to school. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because people, classmates were like, we didn't really notice she was gone. It's just like, oh, what happened to her? She was just kind of the. That's probably what happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> but is yeah. my name really Elaine? <laughs> or is it Kimberly? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I know. Um, so, yeah, she just stopped coming to school and she actually had dropped out of school. She was 18 mm-hmm. and she moved a half hour away. Called up her mom and told her, don't come looking for me. And she didn't. That's weird. Yeah, because it's like, well, she's 18. She's an adult. Fine. Whatever. Bye. And Maybe just, she'll come around is probably yeah. what she thought. Oh, it's just a phase. She's probably yeah. just being rebellious. Nope. She left. Damn, that's crazy. Then a year later, her dad dies. Oh. And his well, estate it's probably was, not like she cared, yeah. I guess. His estate was left to his daughter since he had divorced his wife. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, well, we got to find Kimberly. Because it's between Kimberly and Michelle. Like, the, they got to yeah. split it. And they found an address in Utah and they sent a letter. But at this time, this is when she starts to change her name. Mm. So it's likely she just never got the letter. She was set to inherit $84,000. Mm-hmm. You would think at least, like, okay, send me my money. But so maybe she didn't get the letter. or Maybe she just didn't care and she really wanted to disappear. Mm-hmm. So... Because really and truly, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. And so that's what a lot of 
people looking into the case are saying mm. she's probably trying to leave her past behind, maybe some abuse. Her mm-hmm. father was very controlling, and mm-hmm. her parents did not clearly not have a happy marriage. They divorced. Right, yeah. Um, her dad was an alcoholic, and he was very clearly verbally abusive. Mm-hmm. And the her mom is actually trying to save money to leave her husband. It was yeah. that bad. So, yeah. you know, who knows what was happening? Most likely, she did have an abusive upbringing, whether mm-hmm. it's verbally, physically, exactly. sexually. It, it could all be is anything. traumatic. Yes. Um. So, here's the thing. She did commit identity theft, mm-hmm. but there's no victim in the case. She never stole money. That's true. She just took a name. She just needed somebody else's name. Yeah. And so that's basically it. Like, it was now we know who she is, but why did she kill herself? And I really do think she didn't want her daughter to broke up, grow up in a broken family. Um she, like that solved it. Yeah. Um, she probably <laughs> felt like a failure in some way. Um, she was devastated to lose her husband and the life that she probably had. she had past trauma. She probably was but a lot. Also, more... she was lying to her family on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On who she was. And and it's crazy because it's not like she did anything. So it's like, no. why would you? No, she did like, not you commit a just, crime. She I just realized not... your phone matches your Stanley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, is that like, yeah, I'd be like, look, honey, I love you. But a long time ago, I just didn't think it was important. And for whatever reason, it's bothering me. Like, why? Yeah. What does it change? I don't know. Maybe she... because like the little girl has grandparents or did. She had a grandma at least mm-hmm. and then auntie. So mm-hmm. but at the same time, like I have a relative I don't fucking talk to because yeah. I don't give a shit about it. I have and relatives I don't. I don't talk to. So I'm like... It, it's no skin off my teeth. Yeah. I and don't... Lenora's kept away from them for reasons. And so it's like, mm-hmm. I don't care that. But but I guess at the same time, she does know those people exist. But I've told her the truth. I'm uh-huh. just like, they're not cool yeah, to be around. So I don't know. I think it was just maybe trauma. Who yeah. Knows? But it. It's it just was so sad just, that it had to go that way because it, it didn't have to. Yeah. And that's why I kind of struggled with this after. I was like, yeah. oh, well, it, she's it, wrong, it is but she's not like fucking up the credit of that no. person. It's like she just took a dead two year old's name. It's weird. It's, it's a lot of work random. to go through when you can legally just change your own name. And then she legally changed it again. I think mm-hmm. she assumed that name and then did a legal name change to break so it that up. it would never lead back to right. her. That's very true. But then it's like. She had to know you have a daughter with your mm-hmm. DNA. Yeah. I mean, this is in 2010. So it's like we are coming up on, you know, I'm like, when did when did 23 and me and Ancestry all start? I can't even remember. It was like a yeah. while ago. Mm-hmm. But it's like you got to know. It's I'm like we get... were already graduated by then. So I'm yeah. pretty sure Ancestry had been around since before then. They weren't doing the DNA, but like yeah. you could still link stuff up if you worked mm-hmm. really hard. <laughs> yeah, I did the Ancestry before the DNA thing. Yeah. And then I did the DNA thing. I think but... I told you, but my mother-in-law used to do genealogy in the library mm-hmm. that they lived in. Yeah, you did tell like, me. That's so cool. Yeah. I have to talk so, to her about that. I love that. It is. Dang. So that was crazy. Really that weird. was very different. Yeah. I, I was like, wait, who killed her? I know. She did. That's the whole time as I'm listening That's to this so case. Sad. But yeah, she did. Gosh. She did kill herself in her in-laws driveway while her in-laws, her husband and her daughter were inside. That's really selfish. And, and rude, but it is. To be so it, mentally ill. That's she, so sad. She probably really did do this out of spite for the in-laws. Like, you know, you made him leave me. That's, but I mean, when you're not mentally healthy, oh, yeah. that's so sad. And so, and it hurts me so much because again, like as a mom, I was like, 
Now your kid doesn't have a mom yeah. and has to deal with like, I wasn't good enough to keep you alive. That's what children are going to do. Yeah. Like that is so sad and unfair. Uh-huh. And like a broken home. It's way more broken now. Yeah. And her daughter was young too. So. Um, it sucks. It's really sad. And it makes me upset. I know. But and dang, so, that was crazy. I know. It's not good what job. I was expecting no, either. No, totally not. So I was, I was like, it's a little different because. We've been trying to kind of like do something else. There's an investigation yeah. there's a lot of investigation. i was waiting work. for it to be the father-in-law <laughs> yeah <laughs> the one who found her one, yeah yeah but Dang. um i was not expecting that That's and i was really like sad. oh well there was a crime identity theft kind of mm-hmm. like your last one where there was like she well not identity <laughs> theft but took his card and yeah but yeah mm-hmm. so it's a little different but wow there you go. Yeah, I was Dang. totally expecting it to twist and like me too. I was waiting. She committed murders. And I stuff. was like, exactly. no, she was just sad. I guess I I'm, don't know. Yeah, nobody does that for nothing. No. I mean, okay, let me back up. Yes, there are some personality types that would do it for nothing mm-hmm. because some people um just have you know like different types of like borderline personality disorder has an issue with that. Um, you know, a true um sociopath will have mm-hmm. an issue they wouldn't care but yeah. under normal circumstances but also she has a she has a happy family she wants to keep mm-hmm. her family together so she doesn't have those kinds of things obviously we can't diagnose people but very rarely does somebody completely abandon their family for nothing so yeah. it, it's very suspicious to me so it makes it really really sad yeah makes me very sad yes yeah, so. get help don't hurt yourself Yes, There's literally there no reason. I guarantee no. you, your family would rather know and your children would rather have you around. And Because it is like, yeah, she did you lie made to a mistake. her husband. She made a mistake. A bad one. But like, she didn't even. No, it's not even a bad one. It's it like, wasn't I had a horrible covering. childhood. This yeah. is trauma I've d- lived with. And, and it was the only way I could get rid of it. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, so you're not the name mm-hmm. you said you were. It's literally a name. Yeah. yeah. That's really sad. So yeah, yeah, just very rarely is there anything that's like so bad that somebody won't forgive you for or at mm-hmm. least understand I mean I understand her marriage wasn't going to work out anyway no, but everything but it's like she could have created a whole new life and mm-hmm. and your you daughter know. still could have had you around yeah so yeah it's never worth it no nope. divorce is sad. never the end <laughs> no know? no I literally just heard an article about somebody that was it was like so precious she got married and she was like 86 oh I was like why not because you, yeah. you're in love and you just want to say it and so it's important weird, like, to you. On that show, Hoarders, when we'll watch Hoarders, it's crazy mm-hmm. how many older people are on Hoarders and they're like, oh, yeah, so I want my girlfriend to move. And I'm like, Dad, you're like 70. Yes. <laughs> like, what the heck? I just watched one where Trying he wanted to... his girlfriend to, to live with him and yeah. he was like, yeah, like 60 you know, or 70 years the old. The interesting part is it's because those older generations are realizing like, fuck this. I can get divorced if I'm not happy. Yeah. And because, you know, that was so frowned upon. So many oh, yeah. men and women stayed in terrible relationships. And so now these people of this age are like, I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. And if that is getting remarried at 86, why not? Yeah. It doesn't affect anybody except Just me being to, able to say that we did it. To think like what her life could have been. She could have met somebody oh, totally different, had a whole other life yep. and had her daughter. Had her, yeah. Had her daughter and all that. So, yeah. Sad. sad. But yeah. So, anyways, that was. Yeah, crazy. That's why I, was like, I told my that mom seriously about it. was crazy. I was way expecting Me that to too. do something different. When I was like watching 
Yeah, it'll be in the thesaurus notes and stuff. But yeah, I was like, what? That's not at all. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, mine was kind of short. So it's not that much longer than that. That was a doozy, though. That yeah. was cool. I know you were like, oh, your eyeballs. I seriously <laughs> was like, who who did she kill? What yeah. did she do? I think that's what everyone thought. The father-in-law thought. did it. Yeah. I think that's what everyone thought that Dang. either, okay, if she really did, then what? What was she running from? Was she a spy? Like, people were literally. I think that's the only one that like, we've done that was like that. Yeah, Good job. It was, that was crazy. It, it was yeah. sad, but that was very interesting. Had a lot of questions, but. In the end, they're all answered. I mean, of course, not all. Like, who but, knows why? But, um, but yeah. yeah. So, anyways, wow. well, with that, stay crafty and not grimy. Bye. Bye.